Hello, this is Gary Hetchens with the Sunny Slope Church of Christ in Omaha, Nebraska. Welcome to our Wednesday night Bible class. We're still podcasting a Bible study that is posted at our regular time for Wednesday night Bible classes at the Sunny Slope Church of Christ, 6.30 each Wednesday evening. We're also posting a Bible class every Sunday morning at 9.30, which is the regular time for our Sunday morning Bible classes, again, in the church building. We know that there are some people who cannot be with us in person. And we know also that people are listening to our Bible classes that we're podcasting throughout the country and literally around the world where, everybody, where, where anybody has access to the internet. And so we're thankful to be able to, to have the means and the ability and the opportunity to be able to broadcast God's word, the Bible, the Holy Scriptures, Christianity on such a widespread basis. We're thankful that you're there and that you're listening, and we pray that these studies are being a blessing for you. We're studying from God's Word, and we're studying about the rich teachings and truths that He has communicated to us from the throne room in heaven as He guided through the Holy Spirit the writers that God chose to write down the various books of the Bible. How blessed we are to have His Word to guide us, to encourage us, to instruct us, and to give us hope that is beyond anything that this world could give us from a physical and human perspective. God offers us the hope, the, not just the desire, but the expectation of eternal life with him in heaven for all of eternity. If we will come to him through our Lord and Savior, his son, Jesus Christ, repenting of our sins, confessing our faith openly, and being baptized for the remission of our sins. Now that's a hope that this world does not have the ability to offer. But God does, and he offers it to us through his word. We're thankful. We want to help you. We encourage you to encourage others to follow along in these studies. You can share them with them through Facebook friends, text messages, other technological means. But share with your friends, your work associates, your neighbors, your family members. You may help somebody turn their life around. You may help somebody get to heaven. What a great blessing that would be for them. But it would also be a great blessing for you. Also encourage everybody you can to go to our website at churchofchrist.com, churchofchrist.com. Click on the podcast button and sign up for our podcasting. Now, accessing all of the study materials on our website is free. It always will be free. Signing up for our podcasting is free. It always will be free. We're not look, looking for people's wallets. We want to help people get to heaven. When you sign up for our podcasting, you will automatically receive to your smart device, whether that's your phone or computer, laptop, pad, pad, uh, pad, tablet, whatever it might be, you'll receive these Wednesday night Bible classes, our Sunday morning Bible classes, all of our sermons. And the sermons are posted now in video format as well as audio. But you'll also receive a daily, and that's seven days a week, short, about a 13-minute Bible study that we call today's Bible class keeps us in God's word, helps keep us focused on our relationship with God. And the more we can be in God's word, then the stronger our faith is, because faith comes by hearing the word of God, Romans 10 and verse 17. But you'll also receive a Monday through Friday daily radio program called Search the Scriptures. And while you're at the website, you can access hundreds of sermons and also hundreds of scripturally based and spiritually focused articles. It's all there for your Bible study, uh, for your Bible study access and needs. And again, it's all free. 
what a great opportunity, what a great resource for you to be able to get into God's word and study and grow spiritually and ultimately look forward to a home with him in heaven. Well, we're going to get back into our study. We have been looking at 2 Peter chapter 2, 2 Peter chapter 2. This particular chapter really focuses on false teachers and false teachings. I'm not sure that a lot of people really recognize the dangers of false teaching. Now, maybe what I, what I should say or how I ought to put it is, I'm not sure that many people really just think about false teaching much. When it comes to preachers standing before them or somebody else talking to them about the Bible or about God, I'm not sure they really recognize the readily the difference between what they're being told, whether it is true or whether it is false, whether it is what the scriptures really teach or whether it is something that somebody else has misconstrued or twisted or been taught wrong themselves, and now they're passing it on to somebody else, but since it was wrong when they were taught, then it's wrong as they're teaching it. Well, the second chapter of Second Peter really focuses on false teachers and false teachings. We spent some time on this, but this is really serious, really serious teaching and instruction. Because what did Jesus say in John chapter 8 and verse 32? You shall know the truth, and the truth shall make you free. In the previous verse, he attached our staying in his teachings, in his word, faithfully and, and correctly as indicating that we can truly be his disciples. See, a lot of people want to say, well, I believe in Jesus. They might even consider themselves a disciple of Christ, but they don't live by his teachings. In fact, they do very little as far as being with the church, worshiping, studying together. In fact, they probably do very little even opening up their Bible, let alone studying through it, much at all. But they want to consider themselves a follower of Jesus Christ. Well, Jesus said again, if you abide in my word, you are my disciples indeed. Now, that word abide means live in or live by. And then he said, you shall know the truth and the truth shall make you free. What is the truth? God's word. John 17 and verse 17. And so the Apostle Paul instructed, encouraged, study, as the King James Version translates it. Other translations say be diligent, but the point is the same. To present yourself approved before God, a worker who does not need to be ashamed, rightly handling or correctly understanding and applying the word of truth. What is that word of truth? Again, God's word. How do we know? Jesus prayed on the night of his betrayal in John 17 and verse 17 and directly identified God's word as being his truth. Sanctify them by your truth. Your word is truth. Truth makes a difference. We understand that in every other area of our life. How many Marriages have broken up because either a husband or a wife started lying to their spouse. Well, you've broken the trust within that marriage relationship when you start lying to one another. And we understand that when it comes to uh, an employer. We apply for a job. The employer says, okay, this is what I'm going to pay you. You've got the job. 
And then we put in our first week or two, we get our paycheck, and it's not what the employer said he was going to pay us. It's markedly different. Well, he lied to us. And, and we can see that in, in all kinds of other scenarios. We can, t- we can see that when it comes to manufacturing some piece of equipment. It has to be put together according to the true dynamics of that of all the parts of that piece of equipment being in the right places in the right ways so that that piece of equipment can work, can, can function efficiently. And somebody says, well, here's this, here's this great used car I'm going to sell you. I'm, it, look, it's only going to be, I'm only going to charge you $3,000. It is super. It, there's, there's, I have no problems with it, whatever. Well, and then we look at it. It looks pretty. We drive it around maybe two blocks. It sounds good. We give him the $2,000. We write, write out the check, or the $3,000. We write out the check. But then as we drive it for 10 or 15 miles, all of a sudden we start hearing all kinds of rattles and clunks and, and things are not working well. And we take it to our mechanic and he looks it over. He says, oh man, you've got an engine that is basically no good. You've got an engine that has been a, that is just using oil like crazy. It's not working well. The valves need to be replaced and on and on and on. Well, what about that owner, that previous owner of that great used car? Nothing wrong that I know of. Well, was he lying to you? See, we, we don't appreciate liars. As I've said, as we've studied through this particular text of Scripture, there are some false teachers who are sincere in what they're teaching. They truly, sincerely believe what they're teaching, but they're sincerely wrong in what they're teaching. They need to get deeper into the Word. They need to study more carefully. There are other false teachers who are just outright frauds. They're looking for a following, and that following usually means they're looking for money, a lot of it. They're looking for this big following, for notoriety, for getting a lot of money. Well, whatever the motive is, false teaching is still false teaching. It's still wrong. And since our salvation is contingent upon our obeying the truth, as Jesus said back in John chapter 8 and verse 32, and what we have already read when we studied through 1 Peter, what Peter really talked about in in 1 Peter chapter 1, and beginning with verse 22, he said, since you have purified your souls in obeying the truth. Well, the truth is pivotal then, God's truth. We need to know what it says so that we can know how to faithfully and obediently follow God. We're going to pick up with verse 12 here, and I'm just going to read through verse 17 of 2 Peter chapter 2, and we're going to look at some other texts of Scripture that basically are commentaries, or we might say parallels in point to what Peter is saying here. Now, he's talking about the false teachers specifically. Again, this chapter has been all about false teachers and false teachings and how dangerous and eternally and spiritually destructive they are to uh, to us as individuals if we follow those false teachers and false teachings that they're espousing. 
In verse 12, Peter goes on and he says, but these like, and, and look at this very descriptive kind of imagery that he's portraying for these false teachers. These like natural brute beasts made to be caught and destroyed, speak evil of the things they do not understand and will utterly perish in their own corruption and will receive the wages of unrighteousness as those who count it pleasure to carouse in the daytime. They are spots and blemishes carousing in their own, in their own deceptions while they feast with you, having eyes full of adultery that cannot cease from sin, enticing unstable souls. They have a heart trained in covetous practices and are accursed children. They have forsaken the right way and gone astray, following the way of Balaam, the son of Beor, who loved the wages of unrighteousness. But he was rebuked for his iniquity. A dumb donkey speaking with a man's voice restrained the madness of the prophet. These are wells without water, clouds carried by a tempest, for whom is reserved the blackness of darkness forever. Well, again, very vivid vivid imagery, very descriptive, illustrative language to portray these false teachers. But now, was he talking about a specific group of false teachers in a specific period of time? No, he's talking about false teachers generally, whenever they might pop up and wherever they might try to put forth their false teachings. We read the term sound doctrine or some equivalent a number of times in the New Testament scriptures. And the, that, that phraseology simply means correct doctrine or true doctrine. We look at here how the Apostle Peter is describing these false teachers. He compares them, from a spiritual perspective, to brute beasts made to be caught and destroyed. Well, caught and destroyed? False teachers need to be stopped in their false teaching. Now, he's not talking about hunting them down with with a gun or back in those days, maybe a spear or a bow and arrow and, and killing them on the spot. That's not what he's talking about but they need to be stopped. They need to be recognized. You know, in fact, when you look at the first chapter of Titus, when Paul was writing to that particular preacher of the gospel, whom he had left on the Isle of Crete to get some things set in order among the churches there, in verse 10 of chapter 1 in Paul's letter to Titus, he said there are many insubordinate, both idle talkers and deceivers, especially those of the circumcision, he's talking about false teachers here, whose mouths must be stopped. Well, why? Because they subvert whole households, teaching things which they ought not for the sake of dishonest gain. Now, there again is the motive behind some false teachers. They're just outright frauds, but they're wanting to get this big following, and with the big following, They're envisioning a lot of money coming their way. So Peter here in 2 Peter chapter 2 and verse 12, he describes them as like being brute beasts who are made to be caught and destroyed. Uh, Again, false teachers need to be stopped in their false teaching. They need to be confronted 
and then corrected in their false teaching. Now, sometimes that needs to be done in a way because, again, some false teachers are sincere. They truly believe what they're teaching, and they truly believe that they're trying to help people live a godly life, but they're, they've been taught wrong, they've understood wrong, and sincerity does not, is not necessarily the equivalent of truth. So sometimes they need to be taken and firmly, but at the same time, gently, lovingly, but consistently and continually retaught, helping them to see the error of what they have believed and what they had been teaching. You might think of, 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 of Aquila and Priscilla. When they heard, when they heard um, uh, a preacher preaching uh, back during that time, Apollos was his name. He was described as an eloquent man, mighty in the scriptures. He believed in Jesus Christ as the Savior. And as he understood the teachings of Christianity, he was teaching those to people trying to lead them to Christ. But the text tells us that he only knew the baptism of John, which was no longer in force. Because when Jesus ascended back to heaven after his resurrection from the grave, after dying on that cross, he told the apostles to go into all the world, preach the gospel to all creation, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all things whatsoever I've commanded. And, and those who would believe and be baptized would be saved. Those who would not be believed, who would, who would not believe, they'd be lost. Now I'm combining Matthew 28, verses 19 and 20 with Mark 16, 15 and 16. It's the same great commission, command, and instruction by our Lord on the same day, in the same setting, to the same individuals, but the different writers have put it down in different specifics. But it says the same thing, each of them. Well, that, that baptism that Jesus commanded there and instructed to be taught, that replaced the baptism that his cousin John had been teaching and calling people to be baptized by before Jesus came on the scene. He was preparing the way for the Lord. But now the Lord, he issues or instructs, commands, what might be called the Great, Com the great Commission baptism. Baptism into Christ in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit for the purpose of having our sins cleansed by the blood he shed on the cross and our coming to salvation in him. Well, Apollos needed to be taught more correctly. Aquila and Priscilla took him aside privately, I think is the understanding, and tactfully, lovingly, they taught him better. And, and, and Apollos learned. He didn't reject what they taught. He learned, and he went on, and he corrected his teaching. So sometimes false teachers have to be taught in a very understanding that they've been taught wrong to begin with, but they're sincere in what they're believing and teaching, but they ha still have to be firmly confronted with their error. There are other false teachers, as I keep saying, who are just outright frauds, and they have to, have, they have to be stopped in their tracks. The people they're trying to teach need to be taught what is teaching or what she's teaching is false. It's error. It's not in conformity with God's word. Let me show you how it is not. And so either way, false teachers have to be 
corrected or stopped in their false teaching because they're leading souls to eternal condemnation. Again, the truth shall set you free, not false teaching. And they're going to receive their wages from a spiritual perspective. In verse 13 of 2 Peter chapter 2, the wages that they're going to receive will be the wages of unrighteousness. Now, what is that? Well, since they're sinning and they're false teaching, what's the wages of sin we read in Romans 6 and verse 23? Death, eternal separation from God in hell. Peter goes on and describes them as spots and blemishes. Well, we understand we don't like to have improper spots and blemishes come up on our skin anywhere in our body, do we? Especially maybe on our face or our hands or arms where people can see them readily. Well, he says they're like spots and blemishes. And then he talks about, and this would be probably some of those false teachers who are just outright frauds. He talks about how they they take part in ungodly practices, immoral practices uh, in, in a lot of cases perhaps. And we've heard about those, haven't we? They have a heart trained in covetous practices and are accursed children. Well, that would remind us of what the Apostle Paul warned the churches of Galatia about in Galatians chapter 1, verses 6 through 9. He said, I'm amazed that so quickly after you have been taught the gospel, you're turning to a different gospel. But then he says, but it's not a different gospel. Because once you change the gospel, it's no longer the gospel. It's not the truth any longer. And then he, he goes on and he emphasizes emphatically, if anyone teaches you, even an angel from heaven were to teach you a different gospel than what you have received or what we have taught you, let him be accursed. And then he gets more practical down on the, the human level. He says, if anyone teaches you any other gospel than what you have received, what we have taught you, let him be accursed. And so Peter utters the same basic condemnation of false teachers here in, in, uh, in, 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 in verses 13 and 14 of Second Peter chapter 2. They have forsaken the right way and gone astray. He goes on and says in verse 15, Well, yeah, false teaching is not staying in the right way. It's not staying in the true teachings of God's word. And then he compares them to a prophet from Old Testament times named Balaam, who was sought out by the king of an enemy people of the Israelites. And that king, he wanted Balaam to curse the people of Israel so that he could attack them and be victorious over them. In, in a military conflict. Now, at first, Balaam, he couldn't do that. He, he would go and he'd look over the, the gathering of the Israelite people and, and he'd bless them. And then the king, Baor, he, he changed his tactic and he offered Balaam a huge sum of money. And so then Balaam was going to go and he was going to curse the people of Israel so that this foreign king could defeat them in battle. But God sent, well, he inspired a donkey. And, and how does Peter put it here? A dumb donkey speaking with a man's voice. But of course, that was an angel, I believe we're to understand, speaking through that donkey, stopping 
Balaam in his tracks so that he could not fulfill the false prophecy or the cursing of the people of Israel that the king had wanted him to perform in payment of a huge sum of money. Peter goes on graphically describing false teachers. He says in verse in, 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 in verse 17, and, and again in verse 16, Balaam was rebuked by that dumb donkey, but it wasn't the donkey. It was God's word speaking through, I think we're to understand an angel, through that dumb donkey. Balaam got the message. But then Peter goes on and he further describes these false teachers in graphic imagery. He says they are wells without water. Well, what's, what good is a well without water? It's dried up. It's not going not to give us any sustenance, is it? And he says they're, it's, they're also clouds carried by a tempest or mists. Have you ever heard the weatherman talk about how in some particular setting, at some particular time frame, you know, there are rain clouds up there in the atmosphere and the rain is falling, but it evaporates before it ever hits the ground. Well, doesn't benefit it doesn't benefit us does it if it's not hitting the ground if it's not falling in in the on the soil peter goes on and he says for whom is reserved the blackness of darkness forever the blackness of darkness forever that's descriptive imagery of eternal condemnation in hell where it is also described in the New Testament as a place of outer darkness. And also in 2 Thessalonians chapter 1 and verses 9 and 10 is a place where it is completely cut off from the glory of God. Well, could you think of anything being, any, any place, any position being any more dark and absolutely black, I'm I'm talking about the absolute absence of light and glory than any place that is cut off from the presence of God, from his glory. Heaven is described as a place that doesn't need street lamps, (laughs) doesn't need the sun, doesn't need the moon, because just the presence of God and Christ within that city, their presence illuminate the city, their glory. Hell is exactly the opposite, outer darkness, no light whatsoever. We're going to stop here today, and uh, we'll pick up with verse 18 next time. I hope you'll read that ahead, and I hope this is really helping you understand the truth of God's Word and the importance of knowing the real truth of God's Word. In life, we want to know the real truth, don't we, of whatever situation in which we might find ourselves. Well, there is no situation in life that is more vital than our spiritual lives, our getting ready and being ready for eternity. We want the truth that will lead us to an eternal home in heaven with God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. Let's pray. Father in heaven, we thank you for giving us your word to guide us. Thank you for giving us a mind to understand the difference between truth 
and falsehood. Father, we pray for false teachers that you will open their eyes, that you will correct them in their false teaching, bringing them to the truth of your word and your will. We pray that you will be with those who have believed false teaching and help them to open their eyes to see the truth and to turn away from the error that they had been embracing. Thank you, Father, for giving us your word to guide us in your truth, Father. Praise, glory, honor, and thanks be to you. Please forgive us, gracious Father, and hear our prayer. In Jesus' name, amen.